0: Hey, how you doing? I'm Steve Fullen. Thanks for listening and welcome to episode 300 of the Being Freelance podcast. And this episode is supported by the Being Freelance community. Who knew when I started this podcast eight years ago that that would have ended up being a thing? But it is a beautiful thing and I'd love for you to be a part of it. You're not alone being freelance. Come and hang out with others who get what it's like. Get the support and the fun that comes from hanging out with other freelancers doing what you're doing too. To find out more and to get involved, go to beingfreelance.com and click on community. I'll see you in there. But right now, let's find out what it's like being freelance. For graphic designer... Liz Mosley.
1: One of the biggest lessons that I've learned being freelance is how much understanding yourself and how you work is like really important. I just love trying different things. I think part of the reason I love marketing is that I like to see it as a big experiment. I find that really fun. It makes my work life way more fun and interesting for me, I think. Since three to four years ago, I've been really going for it freelance and have actually got out of thinking of them as hobby businesses and taking it really seriously and building an actual business. And now I don't think I could ever go back. I honestly don't think I could work for anyone ever again.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so there is Liz. This episode that you're about to hear was recorded live in the Being Freelance community. We streamed it live and we even have a couple of questions from a couple of members of the community at the end of the episode as well. So thank you very much if you were there live. If you weren't, no, you are in for a treat. Liz actually does her own podcast, which I usually recommend. I won't chat about it now because we go into it, but she's doing really great things with her freelance business. She's been freelancing for nine years. Is and I couldn't wait to hear how she's got to where she's at today. So that story coming up in a moment. I just want to say thank you so much to you for listening to this podcast. I started it when I was maybe a year into freelancing full-time and And I didn't know any other freelancers. I didn't know how to freelance. And so I set about exploring it and chatting to others from around the world. Thank you to everybody who has agreed to be on the podcast. And thank you to you for listening. I've learned so much. And it's been so lovely getting your messages. People have been inspired to go freelance because of listening to this. And one of the best things to come out of it all has been the Being Freelance community. I'm not going to wang on about it again right now. But I would love to see you in there. Check it out, beingfreelance.com slash community. But let's crack on with episode 300. It was recorded live in the community. There's a video version of this that you can watch on YouTube. Go to YouTube uh, slash at being freelance as well. Um, That's what I am on there. As well as my freelance life vlog, you will find this episode. So you can watch it if you'd prefer. Um, Here it comes. Enjoy. It is the Being Freelance podcast. And we are live for episode 300. Yes, we are live in the Being Freelance community. And our guest this week is freelance graphic designer Liz Mosley. Hey, Liz. Hey, Steve. As ever, how about we get started hearing how you got started Being Freelance.
1: Awesome. I was thinking about this and I was I never managed to answer these sort of questions without doing like a really waffly like life history. So I'll try (laughs) and keep it sustained. <laughs> um but well, my first taste of freelance was while I was at university, so I studied graphic design, and basically a friend of mine worked for a charity and they needed an annual report and they asked me to do it and i'm i 'm so i can 't believe they asked me to do it because at that point i didn 't even know how to use indesign, so that was how I learned to do indesign designing it and <laughs> designing an annual report for this charity um so that was like my first taste of freelance life, but weirdly. When I came out of university, I was adamant that I didn't want to be freelance. I, didn't, I just thought it wasn't for me. You know, I decided to move to London um, and I had a various jobs. So I worked in an agency for a bit. I worked in-house at university and I did those, was still like, no, no, freelance isn't for me. But then basically the sister of one of my colleagues at the university was setting up a boutique Clothing shop in Peckham, and she needed branding, and she they like adamantly wanted me to do it. I was like, oh no, I haven't really got much time enough time, and they were like, "No, no no, we want you to do it, and I was like, oh okay, and I did it, and I had a great time, and I really enjoyed it, and so that sort of started to give me, I guess like yeah, more of a taste, got me hungry for the freelance life. So what I did was I. Um, started my own stationery shop. So I was doing like little bits of branding for people started. I wanted to design stuff that wasn't for clients that I could just design for my, you know, my taste, my style. And then if anyone wanted to buy them, great, you know, not, no big deal.
0: Yeah, I love so that. Then... I've not I've not got time to go freelance, but I
1: know. I'll start a freelance. I'll start a business.
0: <laughs> Designing and selling stationery. I
1: know, I know. So I did that, really got involved with the sort of small business maker, like scene in London and would do like uh, craft fairs and all that kind of thing. Had a great time doing that and decided um, as that picked up that I would go down to four days a week at work and then have one day a week freelance, which was amazing that I was able to do that. So I did that and then got pregnant and I had a baby. So while I was on maternity leave, I was able to sort of like keep just doing little bits on my shop. But it was quite nice because there was no client. So there's no deadline. I could just do bits as and Mm. when I could if I couldn't do anything, like the bare minimum I had to do was like post out orders, which was quite easy to do. I wasn't getting loads of orders, so it was quite easy to do, you know, like a little trip to the post office for the baby kind of thing. But after um, my maternity leave was coming to an end, we decided to leave London and move to Cardiff. So I decided that I wouldn't look for another job and that I would go freelance at that point, um, mainly because I could I was getting more clients. I was doing the stationary thing that was sort of growing a bit um, and I could fit it in around having a kid, basically. So that was kind of the motivation, I guess, for it. Um, But it was quite nice because it felt like a very gradual ease into it. So it wasn't like I just suddenly went freelance, like I'd been building it up a little Mm. bit, you know, little bits on the side. Um, And then I had another kid. And after that (laughs) maternity leave ended, decided that I couldn't really... I didn't have enough time to do the branding work and the online, like the stationery shop. So I needed to pick one and go all in because I felt like if I wanted to take them to the next level, like I either needed to like go gung-ho with the like wholesale for the product-based business or I needed to really start, you know, like promoting myself as a branding designer. So I made the decision to go for it as a branding designer. So that was like four, four, three to four years ago. And so since then, I've been really really going for it freelance and have actually got out of my like out of thinking of them as hobby businesses and taking it really seriously and building an actual business that is making me money and yeah now I would properly call myself a freelancer and now I don't think I could ever go back like I honestly (laughs) don't think I could work for anyone ever again (laughs) Um, because now I love being freelance which I just think is hilarious because I was so adamantly anti going freelance when I came out of university.
0: Amazing, so when you said that you wanted to take it next level uh like for like what did next level look like to you
1: um I think I recognized that i was it i was treating my businesses like a hobby, you know like i wasn't taking them very seriously, so it was things like just getting like things properly set up you know like having proper contracts for my clients you know charging you know reassessing my prices I think probably income like the amount of income was like a, um, a marker for me as to how seriously I was taking the business you know like I wanted it to be something Especially when I had the product based business, a lot of the money just went back into the business to buy more stock. So I wanted it to be something where I was actually paying myself like a decent amount of money. You know, I was, you know, contributing to supporting my family, basically. So I think those were a few of the things that made me feel like, okay, I'm taking this seriously now. You know, I'm getting systems in place to run this business like properly, <laughs> not just very sort of like ad hoc, just little bits all over the place.
0: Yeah. So what were those things then? So contracts system, yeah. like what 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 made
1: that difference? Contracts was a big one for me. Yeah. Um I think like increasing my prices a lot. I think taking marketing seriously. So at, around that time I did a marketing course. And I think before that I'd just been playing on Instagram and that you know, that was it. I'd never had, I never had a strategy or a plan or, you know, really thought about how it could help my business or support my business beyond, oh, I'll post a picture of this card, maybe some people will buy it kind of thing. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think that the marketing piece was a big one for me.
0: In that case, let's talk about marketing. So what what did you, mm-hmm. in fact, so what your first clients came through let's rewind to the first clients bit so there there was the people you knew
1: yeah a lot of it was word of mouth at that point Mm -hmm. so like people recommending me to others so I was I would say the whole time that I was employed I was doing little bits of design stuff for friends it was very sort of like a bit here and a bit there you know like like the annual report, an album cover for a friend, a logo for you know the sister of a colleague, that kind of thing. Um, and I and my at that point my Instagram had always been very much around the product based business, so I started to change that round and share more about the branding um, mm-hmm. and really start talking about that a lot more. Um, but yeah, I, so I did this marketing course, and I think it just made me actually think about you know how I was putting myself out there thinking of myself as a brand I guess you know like how I was putting myself out there online who was I trying to attract how was I going to communicate with them you know where were they hanging out all of that kind of thing um and I feel like it's been it's not been you know like an overnight thing it's been a very sort of slow steady working it out as I go um but I feel like it's working for me now
0: so when you figured, uh, who who am I trying to attract? Who am I trying to work at? Who who were you trying to work with?
1: Well, so having sort of been in the small business creative maker scene in London, those are the people that I just loved working with. And so I really positioned myself as a branding designer for small businesses. And so part of that was I was offering um, obviously like done for you services so i would create their branding but i also started talking to i guess i had a lot of inquiries from people who had started a business but maybe didn't have the budget to outsource their branding or um like just weren't at that point yet where they felt comfortable to spend thousands of pounds on branding and so i started talking to those people but creating content for them in a different way so things like the podcast um I have done a course called "Design Your Own Branding," specifically like aimed at them, so like giving them the process and the tools so that they could create something that they could use themselves. Um, so yeah, sort of teaching—I guess more teaching, like doing lots of workshops. And I've done that as well for other people. So teaching for other people's memberships, um, but yeah, it feels like it's all quite uh, aligned quite nicely around small business owners.
0: So did the course come about? Because you had people who were coming to you, but couldn't afford to hire
1: you? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that's how it started. Basically, it started off as a workshop. So I did a workshop that was like, um, I guess, like teaching the basics of branding for a small business. But there's like, you can hardly cover anything in like an hour and a half website, like workshop when it comes to branding. So it was really fast paced. And I felt like yeah, it, it wasn't maybe the best format for it to be. So I decided to flesh it out into a longer course. And that's actually worked really well. And people have had really lovely results from it. And have I've had like lovely testimonials about it. I think that's worked well. So I feel like I've kind of got all these different strands, but they all kind of align quite nicely together.
0: And the podcast. So you launched a podcast when? 2019, are you saying?
1: No, no. Uh, the podcast happened. It was at the beginning of 2021. 20, Oh, right. So I only, so yeah, 2021. So I've like been doing it for just over two years now. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. And it's called? Building your brand. I mean, what's been your experience of doing the podcast? Like, did you know what the hell you were doing? <laughs>
1: I'm so you know they're saying all the gear and no idea I would say that that like really sums me up so I bought like a fancy microphone bought like well sort of not that fancy headphones and <laughs> basically I did a skill swap with my podcast producer who's called Lucy Bucraft and is brilliant and it was something that I'd wanted to do but just had never sort of spent the time working out how to do it and she really encouraged me to just go for it and the thing that was really nice about it is that when we were talking about it I just had all the ideas you know she was like one of the things that you need to think about is do you have enough ideas like for content to keep the podcast going and that was never an issue for me I was like yeah I mean there's like a million people I want to interview so many things I want to chat about and so it, it all sort of came together quite easily so we did a skill swap and she like edited my first sort of 12 episodes for me. And I did like, I did it in a season at that point. and And um, I was like, well, I'll just give it a try. If I don't like it, I've done one season. I can just park it and leave it. it you know, it's like evergreen content. There's kind of like no, no harm kind of thing. Um, but obviously turns out I loved it. And it is probably one of my favorite things that I've done in my business. So like, it's still going strong now. Now I don't do it in seasons. I do weekly episodes um, I am going to take a break, I think, over the summer, just because I feel like I need to not be always recording podcast episodes. But, yeah, again, it's, like, worked really well for me. It's – I think – I don't know about you, but I think podcast is podcasting is quite a hard one to, like, quantify in terms of knowing exactly how many people – like, is it bringing me clients? Like, it's hard to measure that. But I definitely have people who have found me and mentioned the podcast. So I think it has – worked how I wanted it to in terms of marketing that's not the only reason that I do it and lots of other sort of amazing things have come out of it as well and I absolutely love it how do you
0: make time for that like each each week you know it is a big commitment
1: yeah I mean podcasting I don't I had no idea how much work went into it like it really is a lot of work and I outsource the editing because that. I was like that's I can't I I know that I could sit down and learn how to do it but I wasn't that interested in doing it so I was like well this is the perfect thing to outsource so I decided to outsource it like right from the beginning I now pay Lucy to do it I'm not we're not skills constantly anymore. rebranding her business <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you want another look? <laughs> Yeah, totally. just forever rebranding um one of the things that I did which has been a game changer is I automated a lot of the processes so one of the things with having guests and you probably find This as well is that there's like a lot of admin, so you know, like going back and forth, booking a time, all that kind of thing. So I basically created like canned emails for every part of that process and an automated scheduler. So like all I have to do is approach them, and once they've said yes, then they go through this automated email system that basically does everything for me right up until we record. So that has saved me, I reckon hours and hours Mm. and then the other thing that i tend to do is sort of batch record so if i've got a quieter period of work then i'll schedule a whole bunch of them in and just get them back to record and then Lucy just will have them ready to go like to edit weekly. So that's sort of how I've made it work. I mean, I think it's one of those classic things where if it's something that you enjoy, it's quite easy to make time for it. And so it doesn't feel that hard for me to do in that I really enjoy it. So I fit in.
0: (laughs) And you said it's brought you lots of amazing things.
1: Well, I say lots. The main one has been <laughs> a ongoing relationship working with Adobe, which has been incredible. So that that's kind of like a bit of a roundabout story. But basically, I, I guess it was just over a year ago, posted on stories on my Instagram. Oh, you know, I'm looking for a podcast, like sponsor. If anyone's like knows anything or is interested, get in touch. And this, I didn't know this, but a guy from the UK marketing team of Adobe was following me and he messaged me being like, oh yeah, send over the info. And I was like, oh my goodness. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, I... Sent over the info to him. I hadn't, e- I didn't even have the info together at that point. So I was like, oh my goodness. So I had to like put it all together. sent it over to him. Didn't really expect anything to happen because I was fairly certain that my podcast wasn't the sort of size that would interest Adobe, which was correct. But um, it's all a bit roundabout. So basically he recommended me to his colleague to become an ambassador for Adobe Express, which is something that I now am and I do... And then off the back of that, I got recommended to become part of the Adobe Live team. So I have a weekly show on Adobe Live um, every Monday. So basically, you just have this ongoing relationship with Adobe, which although it isn't sort of like they didn't sponsor the podcast, I wouldn't have that if it wasn't for the podcast. So I credit the podcast for it.
0: That's amazing. And just because you put it out there, like you yeah. never know who's watching instantly. Think, what, sorry, yeah. what was his name? What was... On, uh... <laughs>
1: i'll send you his handle later i I think he doesn't work in marketing anymore
0: ah what's the (laughs) i know um no that's so cool though so you're an adobe express ambassador what does that entail
1: so it means that i regularly promote adobe express so it's it it looks like all sorts of different things um it could be you know like a reel on instagram like a a sponsored content basically but it can Um, be in all sorts of different types of formats. So they have sponsored a few episodes of the podcast, which is really nice. I also got to go to LA to their annual conference um, called Adobe Max, which is awesome. So that was really fun. They had like an Adobe Express ambassador pre-conference. So got to meet, like they have ambassadors all over the world. So we all got together for that. And then as part of the... Adobe live team basically there's like an ongoing sort of running program of creatives sharing their process and how they work which is really cool and it's all free to consume it's on Behance and YouTube Um, and so I do a weekly show about Adobe Express so I do half hour half an hour every Monday and every Monday tackle a different project basically and people can follow along and watch and again it's really nicely aligned because Adobe Express and you know doing the demos It's all around supporting and helping small businesses and helping them create their, you know, like Adobe Express is helping them to create their own designs if they don't have the budget to pay a designer or, you know, helping them make social media content quicker. You know, it's also encouraging creatives who sometimes struggle with their own marketing. You know, like here's a way that you can sort of integrate this tool into your workflow, into your processes to help things speed up basically.
0: <laughs> wow and I guess it all elevates your brand like your reputation with your potential Ooh. customers too.
1: Yeah absolutely I mean it's it's been really great for my profile I, I got to I mean it's all very sort of like serendipitous all these things you know like how it all comes about but I basically got Um, to do a a digital talk for the Adobe Max conference. So they have like the in-person stuff, but then they also had a whole conference that was like pre-recorded talks online. So I did one of those. And then a a design magazine from Germany saw it, got in touch with me and were like, can we interview you for our magazine? You know, so it's all been incredible for raising my profile, um, connecting with other creatives, getting myself in front of a whole different audience, which has been really cool.
0: Amazing. So that came out of the podcast how else are you marketing yourself out, out there putting yourself out there so you've got
1: the podcast I've got the podcast I've got my email mailing list uh-huh. I've got Instagram and TikTok I would say those are my main I am on Twitter and LinkedIn but like very half-heartedly okay. <laughs> I always have like you know I have like dreams of oh I've also got a YouTube channel again very half-hearted I have dreams of like focusing energy on those but realistically I just can't I have to accept that I can't do it all. So those aren't ones that I'm really focusing on at the moment.
0: So what are you doing on Instagram? And is is it the same as what you're doing on TikTok?
1: I treat them differently. I think my Instagram's a bit more creative... not created, a bit more curated is what I'm trying to say. So a bit more thought through. Um, TikTok, I think you can be a bit more scrappy and you can just do sort of ad hoc videos. I mean, that's probably not the best advice or the best strategy, but that's what I'm doing with that. And I have had some... Accidental success with that, so I did have one video that went viral. Everyone who listens to my podcast is probably sick of me talking about, it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I had one video that accidentally went viral and got a whole bunch of followers off the back of that. So I'm, yeah, TikTok. I feel like I am um, less familiar with, so I'm still kind of playing around with that. But I can, I've seen for other people, I've seen some incredible results, and I think it is a really interesting platform to explore. So, yeah.
0: Um, And so, what are you putting on? Is it more like an extension of that tutorial aspect, that helping people to brand themselves?
1: Is it that? Yeah, um, less so with the helping people. Yeah, some branding tips, some, a lot of. like pattern tutorials, you know, like tips in Illustrator or, you know, like just design tips, websites that people might find helpful, um, my thoughts on design trends, stuff like that. I'm not probably consistent enough with my sort of uh, content type yet there because, you know, probably consistency is what's going (laughs) to make it work better. But I I think it's a really interesting platform. So, yeah, it's a a variety of sort of more edited, well thought through videos and then um, more stuff that is almost like what you would post on Instagram stories. So sort of things that you're thinking, what you're up to, day in the life, that kind of thing. Right.
0: And then your email.
1: Yes. I've surprised myself and actually been really consistent with that so I think the two marketing things I'm most consistent with are the podcast and um, the email Um, so I usually send out a weekly email and again it's sort of a a real it's a mix it's kind of like a behind the scenes you know it's like this is what I'm thinking a lot of it's quite honest behind the scenes of my business Um, you know how I'm finding things, what I'm learning, recommending, you know, stuff that I've found that I think people might find useful. And I actually really, I really enjoy that as well um, and have seen like good results with that. So I've found that especially helpful when selling my courses or um, like one of the things that I've been exploring a bit more is affiliate marketing. So sharing, like I'm, I'm very um determine that I'll only promote things that I would have promoted anyway but you know so many people now have affiliate links it's quite easy to do that and I've had a bit of success with that um I think when sort of three years ago when I started taking my freelance business seriously one of the things that I wanted to do and probably the pandemic inspired this as well is diversify my income so I didn't want to just be reliant on finding clients so that sort of the affiliate stuff fits in that, the courses, all the I, I'm not very good at picking one thing and doing
0: it. <laughs> <laughs> No, but that's great. Um, so as in you like to have that kind of broad, yeah. like rather, because um, you kind of have a niche in your, you know, like who your audience is. You've said small businesses, yeah. for example.
1: I think that's the thing that's nice about it. And I think part of this is intentional and part of this is probably, if I'm honest, happy sort of accident. Or maybe Mm -hmm. I should give myself credit. I think it is quite intentional, but I feel like my audience is really consistent and is very similar across the board. Um, I just sort of find different ways to speak to them and help them. And not all of them are me doing branding for them. That's that's probably like 50% of it. And then the other 50% is made up of a... You know, whole host of different things, and I think I just love trying different things. I think part of the reason I love marketing is that I like to see it as a big experiment, and so I love just trying things and seeing what happens. And I find that really fun. It makes it makes my work life way more fun and interesting for me. I think.
0: Nice. One thing I did notice uh, when I was trying to check out your TikTok, the title was was it a hundred rejection challenge?
1: Yeah. <laughs> right.
0: Okay. I'm intrigued. What's What's your rejection challenge?
1: So I feel like I'm not very good at dealing with rejection, or I probably don't put myself in situations where I think I'm going to get rejected. And so I realised that that was holding me back. So I think I'm the sort of person that works better if I gamify everything. So basically, I set myself a challenge to get a hundred rejections in six months. Like from a work perspective, I just want. <laughs> I like I just need to, not just walking down the street saying. Uh... <laughs> but there's loads of people on TikTok who are doing that. So loads of people on TikTok, um, like go out into the street and ask strangers to do sing a duet with them or something, and then film it for TikTok, and that's the rejection they're seeking. So I felt like I needed to clarify that that is not what I was going to be doing. <laughs> Um but yeah so and I've only been doing it for a couple of weeks so it was inspired by a friend of mine who is an illustrator called Katie she's katie draws on Instagram Um, her name's Katie Chappell. And she did something similar where she tried, she called it a hundred no's, which is actually like a friendlier way to put it. But she did the same challenge basically. So I stole it from her. I think it's quite a common thing. And there's like a Ted talk about similar things and I've seen other people doing it. But yes, I set myself this challenge. And the idea being that it would just sort of take a bit of the pressure off and actually if I did get a rejection it's not as big a deal because oh I can just add it to my list you know for the challenge like there was actually like a purpose with it and it's making me pitch for things that I would have held back from pitching for in the past. Um, So a lot of it is going to be like podcast related so I've pitched for some, I've like approach some much bigger names to be on my podcast I'm pitching myself to be on other podcasts so actually hilariously I'll find the spreadsheet to show you on my list of um rejections to seek was pitching to be on your podcast and then before I got a chance to you emailed me and asked me to be on it and so I was just like oh amazing but um wow yeah so hang,
0: hang on though would that have been good if I'd have said no because then yeah, no, you'd have got... really good. Yeah. <laughs> because then you'd have got the rejection but um okay so I sort of thwarted that I'm sorry if we meet in the street you can ask me to sing a duet and I'll turn you down how about that
1: i mean ultimately you know i i want to get yeses like that is the whole Mm. goal of it but the idea i guess is i'm asking more people and so the chances of getting yeses you know i'll get more yeses as a result and so far the challenge is going horribly because i've got more yeses um but but actually the challenge is going amazingly because it's having the exact result that I hoped which was that I would put myself out there for more stuff and yeah things would happen so I'm basically gonna keep going for six months and then me and Katie who I mentioned before are gonna record a podcast episode and sort of share our experience of the whole challenge but I have had some I have had some rejections and I feel like I'm handling them better so even that is a good a good result
0: oh my god I love it Absolutely love it. You say you're quite competitive. So, do you often set yourself like challenges?
1: I feel like I'm not competitive with other people. I'm just well, I'm like internally competitive. I think I I'm I'm not very good if I don't have like a deadline or a goal or something that I'm working towards. So, I think setting challenges, you know, where I can sort of like document it and I know what I need to do, really helps me. Um, I think that one of the biggest lessons that I've learned being freelance is how much understanding yourself and how you work is like really important. And I, I would never have predicted or I would have never guessed sort of like how much self work I would have to do in running my own business and being freelance. So I think, yeah, I've just, I kind of like, I'm recognizing how I work best, what motivates me and setting myself like these challenges is definitely one. So like another thing, another one that I do, which isn't really a challenge, um it's more it's more just like an ongoing project but it's um a pattern challenge so every week there's a there's me and a friend of mine create prompts and we design a pattern every week and we post it on instagram and then other people have started to join us which is awesome so yeah i mean that those sort of things help me to do things consistently and i feel like i need that i need i need some tricks and tips to help me do stuff get stuff done (laughs) back with
0: liz mosley and her story in a moment we were streaming this live into the being freelance community it's one of the things that we do in there we do virtual co-working uh, the live freelance disco as well tea break socials in-person meetups plus it's just a really lovely place to go and ask questions to sense check to brainstorm to celebrate like you know when something goes really well but there's no one around you to cheer you on or to um, to high five we're there for you instead you come in there Uh, there's also a really lovely new section called out of office where people are posting the things they get up to away from their desks which has been really nice it is so good for your business but it's so good for you as well to be around others doing the same thing so come find us go to beingfreelance.com click community. Right, let's get back into the live. Remember, you can see this as well on YouTube. This is us chatting to Liz Mosley. It's interesting you say about, you know, like that sort of self-reflection. Do you think having the podcast has helped you do that? I know you interview other people, but like analysing your business or how you work?
1: Yeah, definitely has helped. I think one of the things that I've noticed it's helped me with is Become really clear on what's important to me or what i like my sort of beliefs around running a business. I guess not like it's particularly right or wrong, but just like what I want to talk about and what I think's important. because what I notice is that a lot of this sort of similar themes come up in multiple episodes. Um, and so I think that it's really helped with that you know, in clar in clarifying to me what I think is important in building brands in running a business and what I want to communicate to others, you know, like how I want to share that. And thankfully, you know, most of my guests are really aligned with that. And that's why the same themes sort of come out a lot Mm -hmm. of the time. But yeah, I think chatting to other people, I mean, a lot of podcasting for me is selfish and I just get to talk to interesting people and learn you know from their insight and their perspective so you know a lot of the time it'll be like okay I need to learn about Pinterest who can I interview about <laughs> Pinterest? you know that kind of thing.
0: Did you know like what you were doing business obviously you've evolved your business you think about your business and so forth but like for example when it came to pricing and stuff like that like did you know what you were doing how have you got on with
1: that? Oh my goodness, I find, I think I will forever find pricing difficult and I think I have really struggled um, with underpricing myself a lot and probably a lot of people would say that I still underpri price myself I'm a lot happier with my prices now um, and I feel like I've got a much better consistently putting them up so I'll sort of like review them every like six months and put them up but yeah I mean that is something that I've always struggled with and actually sort of going back to the knowing yourself sort of piece of it I think I've had to do like a lot of sort of digging around I think there's sort of like a lot of you know, without this turning into a therapy session, I think there's sort of like a lot of issues that I've had to unpick um, that have then fed into why I've priced myself too low in the past. And I think part of it was before I was thinking, you know, going back to what we were talking about, I was thinking of it as a hobby business. Um, And so when you have that attitude, it's really hard to price yourself correctly. Um, And I think as soon as I got out of that way of thinking, um, it became much easier to price myself better and in a, in a like more sustainable way, you know, like this can actually be a profitable business way. Um, Yeah. I feel like, I think it's something that I'm always going to, struggle with though and have to work through like will always be working on I think one of the things I have noticed that's helped me is a few jobs where I've underpriced myself by the end of the project I really resented doing the work and that's been interesting for me because that's been a very clear sign okay I did not price myself right because I don't feel I obviously don't feel like I'm being paid the right amount and that's helped me work out what should be the right amount for me Mm. anyway and I think that's the thing is like no one can really tell you there's not like one size fits all like yes you can get advice you know there's lots of great organizations that'll give you advice about what sort of prices to charge in your industry but there's so many factors that impact it you know like where you live how much you want to earn what you know what type of clients you're trying to attract and so I think that's the thing that's quite Tricky about it. Um, I think one of the things that I've enjoyed about diversifying my income is that it means that I can still price myself in a way that I can attract the clients that I want to work with, which is small businesses, but that's not my only income. So I'm almost like supplementing it with other things that I'm doing that aren't so much um, I'm selling my time for money, if that makes mm. sense.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And how about, because, right very early on in this story you had a child then you had another one like how have you found work life balance working and and living
1: (laughs) how's that going i I, I mean not great i'll be honest no well in some senses amazing like i really love the life i've built myself in the sense that i really appreciate the flexibility i have being self-employed um so the fact that if my kid's sick I can, you know, look after them if, I mean, it's still a juggle, right? Cause there's deadlines and clients and stuff, but I'm not having to sort of like ask someone's permission to be at home with my kid when they're sick. I'm not having to ask permission to go to their like school play, you know, all of those sort of things. I really love that I'm in control and I can plan my workload around them and what they need and what we need and all that kind of thing. That. the, area that I'm struggling with and not doing so well is the I guess the boundaries so obviously when you run your own business it's really hard to mentally switch off from it and because at the moment I work from home that blurs the boundary even more because it's always tempting to be like oh, I just need to quickly go and reply to this email or I just need to do this I just need to do that Um, So that's something that I'm working on at the moment is how to, um, I guess, be present with the thing that I'm doing. So if I'm working, be present and focus on working. And if I'm with the kids, be present and focus on them. Um, And I feel like that's something, yeah, that I have struggled with. I'm getting better at it. But I think, again, it's a work in progress. (laughs)
0: Um, Now, Liz, I always do this thing where I ask for three facts about yourself to make two true, one a lie. And let me figure out the lie. What okay. do you have for me?
1: Okay, so the first one is, you know the TV show Narcos?
0: <laughs> well, <coughs> I used to be a drug runner. Okay, go on, go on.
1: I have met and visited the house of one of the people who is Portrayed in the show, so not the actor, not the actor, the actual mafioso from wow. the TV show. So that's one. Okay. Yep. Number two is that I applied to be on The Apprentice and got quite far in the process, but then pulled out because I decided that I didn't want to do it. Um, mainly because I realised I didn't want Alan Sugar to invest in my business, and then. <laughs> And then the third one is that I once pretended to be an extra on a film set so that I could meet Mel Gibson.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. When you're auditioning to be on The Apprentice, was this while you were freelance,
1: pre-freelance?
0: Like when was this?
1: It was like early days. So it was when I'd started doing freelance stuff um, and like had my stationery business, but pre-kids.
0: Oh, I see. So it might have been investing in your stationery business. Obviously, The Apprentice goes out around the world. Here in the UK, our version of Donald Trump is Alan Sugar, uh, Sugar, uh, who is a businessman. Okay, Narcos... You, how did you meet a mafioso?
1: So my mum is Colombian and we were over visiting family and she decided that she wanted to go and visit the house that she grew up in like years ago. And then we went over and it was this guy who was basically one of Pablo Escobar's pals living in the house that she grew up in as a kid lives in the house that your mother grew up in i mean i think he bought another house like he's extended you know like he's made it bigger but yeah basically
0: that is cool Mm, if it's true okay now this is the one we all want to explore (laughs) you pretended to be an extra to get onto a film set with mel gibson yeah right so what was the film
1: Do you know what? I can't even remember. So basically, I was visiting some friends in Boston. So when we were there, he was filming a car chase on the streets of Boston. And they put a note through my friend's door being like, oh, we're filming this film at these times. So we were like, oh, let's go down and have a look. And then we went down there and we could see him. And there were just all these people loitering around. So we basically just sort of like shuffled over and joined the crowd of people loitering, realized that they were extras. And then Mel Gibson was right there. And so I was like, okay, this is my chance. Like, I have to go Choose myself, and I went. I mean, this is this is embarrassing to admit. I sort of sidled up to him and was like, oh, "Hi!" And I basically panicked, and so I just said, "I'm Welsh." <laughs> and he was like, "Okay, great." And that was
0: it. <laughs> oh my god! I hope this is true. You have one chance to speak to Mel Gibson, and you just said, "I'm Welsh." <laughs> I
1: know. Yeah, it's awful. It's awful.
0: Liz, I'm torn. Um, I mean, I don't know whether your mother is Colombian or not. Um, could you have been? I don't know. I feel like you're too nice to be on The Apprentice, and like too, like too sent. Like they're all so self-inflated. I can't believe you would have even got past the first round. You seem too <laughs> sane, too uh, pleasant, too self-reflective. Like. <laughs> yeah you need a much bigger ego to go Furf. i've changed a lot in the last <laughs> <laughs> oh i was a nightmare back then um and then the extra with mel gibson there was a real beauty in the embarrassment that you had there's a lot of mel gibson oh it's an excellent mel gibson gift John, just gone into the chat where we're doing this live into the being freelance community um okay what do you reckon everybody claire says the apprentice is the lie uh elizabeth says the apprentice is a lie what do you, i mean i've got to say i am i am going towards the apprentice i hope you take this the right way Liz. like if you apply to be on bake-off i can see i can see you on bake-off i can't see you getting through the apprentice first levels because you're just not awful enough the apprentice is the lie
1: that is the lie, yeah. Oh, yes! I did, because that would have a good enough lie. Now, and um, now I've just told the whole world my embarrassing Mel Gibson story. So I love that.
0: Go. I love that. I mean, who wouldn't say that to Mel, Gibson? <laughs> to Mel Gibson? I did prefer the idea of you wandering into the back of Braveheart or something. <laughs> yeah,
1: that would have been better.
0: Just because oh, that would have God. involved full war paint in order to pretend to be <laughs> an extra. Just to say you're Welsh. Um oh. Liz, if you could tell your younger self one thing about being freelance, what would that be?
1: I think it would be to keep going and to just do things in your own time. Like I spent a lot of my first few years of freelance feeling really frustrated because I felt behind and I felt like I was looking at what everybody else was doing. Um, And I just felt, yeah, I felt like I was nowhere near where they were but so much can happen so much has changed for me in the last three years so much can change and so I think it would just be to keep going and to yeah to just trust in the sort of timing of your business and the journey that you're on I love that
0: Liz, it's been so good talking to you. Now, guys, do you have a question that, you know, you've been listening to Liz's story, you know, maybe you already follow Liz or listen to her podcast and you've you've got a question that you'd like to ask Liz. Right, okay, Angie's joining. You're on,
1: you're on the podcast. Liz, you are totally awesome and you're totally brilliant and I've loved hearing about your journey and Thank it you. seems that you've done brilliantly. Did you do it all by yourself or did you have help along the way? Did you have a coach or did you have awesome freelancers around you or did you just wing it and do it yourself <laughs> that's Good my question, question. definitely didn't do it by myself like I've definitely had lots of support so I did have a coach for a while called Susie Dark who's amazing and basically my course would never have come out if it wasn't for her because I had so many crises about it and she basically mm-hmm. like helped me get it over you know like actually get it over the line so that she ha- helped me at that particular period of time I think the other thing that I would say is I have been really lucky in that I've had some amazing um freelance small biz friends mm-hmm. who I basically like voice note all the time we like really support I guess we coach each other effectively not at all in any sort of formal way but we just like help each other so a few that I would say would be um so who I actually learned a lot about marketing from was Manexha Stewart who's a friend of mine she's been amazing um, I'm in a membership at the moment with Hannah it I always say her name wrong, which is terrible because she's a really good friend of mine. Hannah Isted, I think, or Isted, Isted. Oh my goodness, she's going to kill me. Um, But she's got a really lovely membership uh, called The Best 90 Days Ever. And she does like a little marketing prompt every day. um, And we like WhatsApp all the time and help each other out with our businesses. So I, I definitely feel like I've had lots of support from people around me. Brilliant
0: amazing that was a great question Ange. really good question yeah okay. yeah thank you so much for joining us
1: Anne. <laughs> i go now yeah good. Oh, well
0: that. That was brilliant bye thank oh you. that was that, was Ange. <laughs> that was cool. um oh elizabeth is uh is joining us now okay we've got another question from the being freelance community hi elizabeth what's your question for
1: liz so you've done lots of things that have been really successful and one wanted to know is actually have you done something that was really bad mistake but actually turned out to be really helpful. Oh, so have you made
0: a mistake in your business?
1: Oh, absolutely. But in hindsight, it's been good. I feel like I've made tons, to be honest. Um, I definitely feel like the whole thing is like a real big learning process. I think two spring to mind. One idea I had a while ago was to create like semi-customizable logos. So the logo, like the branding was sort of like pre-designed and then people could sort of like buy it off the shelf and like put their... Um, like their business information in it and it was like unique one of a kind you know so a lot of people do this on Etsy but they sell the logo like millions of times whereas this wasn't like that Um, and I spent ages making it all and then didn't really tell anyone anything about it and it was an utter flop (laughs) and so and I think maybe it I think it worked out for the best because my heart obviously wasn't really in it and that's why I didn't really tell anyone about it Um, and so I think it was like now I look back on it and I'm like oh actually I'm really glad I didn't go down that route but it was like good to I guess try it um I think another thing would be I had an experience a couple of years ago where I had a couple of a couple of client situations where on reflection looking back like they weren't the right fit for me and there were sort of like red flags that came up not that there was anything wrong with them, but just that I should have picked up on as into why I wasn't the right fit for them. Mm-hmm. And then like the project didn't go well, or one of them decided to pro- to stop the project sort of, before it finished. And, I found that incredibly hard at the time, but it probably had the most impact on my business in terms of the improvements that I made off the back of that. So like improvements in my processes, improvements in how I communicate with clients. And I would say like it like, yeah, had a much bigger impact than any job that's gone very well if that
0: makes sense excellent question elizabeth thank you so much do you know just to go uh, (laughs) um go a little bit further i guess on that whole you know like the 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 coach or support or so it's a mix of things that you pay for and people you've found along the way sort of thing
1: Yeah, I would say so. So like I obviously I paid for the coaching um, and I paid to be like I'm in the doing it for the kids membership. I'm in like uh, Hannah's membership that I talked about. So getting support those ways. And then I think, yeah, people that have just become real life friends. I think a lot of the um, people who are physically around me don't really understand the nitty gritty of like my business and what I do. So it's just having those people that really get it and that I can just like WhatsApp message. I'd say like another one is my um podcast producer Lucy. Like, yes, I pay her, but we've also become friends and we also sort of help each other in our businesses as well. And so we'll just like WhatsApp each other and be like, Oh, I've got this idea, what do you think? Um, oh, I've written this, does it sound ridiculous? You know, just little things like that sort of throughout the day. I guess they're kind of like my colleagues over voice note obviously you've got to find people that enjoy voice notes as well because not everybody does but I'm quite lucky that I found fellow voice note lovers who are happy to chat to me all day long
0: well, honestly, Liz, I could chat to you all day long. Um, oh. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Go to beingfreelance.com. There is uh, links through. So they are for all of our 300 guests. Um, all of them, you can find them. You can listen again and you can go and say hi to them. If you've enjoyed this, Reached out to Liz. Listen to Liz's podcast. We'll put a link to that because it really is a great podcast. Um, go find that as well. And I can't wait to hear on the podcast how that uh, one, uh, you know, like the one hundred rejections goes uh, yeah. when that podcast episode comes out as well. Uh, plus, uh, you mentioned doing it for the kids community it's a podcast that I do as well with Frankie from the Doing It for the Kids community so if you too are freelancing around uh, family life then wherever you found this podcast search for Doing It For The Kids and make sure you're listening to that as well we're heading towards episode 100 we're Doing It For The Kids but here we are with episode 300 thank you so much all of you for listening and for those who joined live for joining lives Liz thank you so much and all the best being freelance thank you so much for having me there goes episode 300 everyone oh there we go thank you so much to Liz and like I mentioned thank you so much to all of the guests who have chatted to me over the years and of course most crucially to you the listening and all the encouragement if you've enjoyed this please do share it i am at being freelance on twitter and instagram tag me in uh, if you've never left a review before maybe now after 300 episodes maybe that will clinch the deal maybe leave a review that would be great as well we'll crack on with episode 301 after a brief break for easter uh which is what's happening now on the horizon as this goes out live but yeah As ever, I'll be hanging out in the community, so I'll see you in there. Go to beingfreelance.com for past episodes, for blog articles, for the course and for the community. I'll see you there. In the meantime, have a great week. Being freelance.